welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. This is episode number seven and today we're looking at SAM tools and technology. My name is Martin Thompson uh, from the ITAM Review and we're very pleased to be hosting a, another tools day in uh, New York on the 28th of January. Uh, it's being held at Baruch College near Times Square, and uh, it's a uh, it's for our it's a repeat of our London uh, event um, which we held back in November, and it's very much a showcase of the art of the possible in terms of SAM tools. So it's a bit of a showcase in terms of what's out there in the market, what SAM tools are up to these days, what's the innovation and what what's the capabilities of these tools, and it's also a great opportunity to network with your SAM industry peers. And ahead of uh, all of that technology, technology and innovation in January, uh, we thought we'd look at some of the steps required for successful uh, implementation of SAM tools. So today the agenda is, is, is looking at building the business case for SAM tools, um, looking at the implementation uh, resources required, you know, what sort of horsepower do we need to implement these tools, um, and also looking at some of the sort of gotchas or success uh, factors for implementation. So today on the call, I've got a number of um, SAM tool manufacturers and suppliers, and I'm going to ask, ask them in a second just to introduce themselves. Um, if I could ask each of one, each one of you gentlemen to introduce yourselves. So if, I, if first of all, if I could come to you, Matt. Matt, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. It's uh, Matt Fisher here. I'm a vice president with uh, Snow Software, based out of our headquarters in Stockholm. And for those um, those of our listeners that are not familiar with snow, what does snow do if they were completely new to snow? Uh, well, of course, we all claim that uh, we're the uh, market, lead, market leading software asset management uh, technology that's used both by end user organizations and also SAM service providers. Uh, we have 14 operations globally and a network of about 42 partners that uh, help sell and uh, deliver services around our products. Great, thank you. And Wolf, could I ask the same of you? Could you give a quick introduction to yourself in the company? Of course. Hello, this is Wolf Christen. I'm Managing Director with uh, Software Management Org, the US, and for the same for Europe. We are um, on the market since 1996, and um, yeah, I could just repeat what Matt just said. We, we work with service providers and deliver services, and we we only do SAM, nothing else. So, and we don't uh, sell to customers. We only sell to partners. Great, thank you. And Alex and Jason, could you give a quick introduction to yourselves and the company? Yeah, hi, it's Alex here, Head of Marketing for Licensed Dashboards. Um, we are similar to exactly what the guys have said, but the key difference for us is we focus only on license management of the service, delivered mainly through our partner network. Um, so that's what I do, and then Jason. Yeah, and I'm Jason Davies, Service Delivery Manager at Licensed Dashboard. I think that Alex covered off our, our piece. Okay, cool. And Eric? I'm uh, Eric Iverson from uh, SHI International. Um, I represent the ITAM services component of SHI uh, under a brand name of Polaris. And we offer a set of tools as well as full set of 
compliance and managed services around both hardware and software asset management. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, so if if we could um, if we could crack on, so um, I'd just like to cover. So this is a this is a preview uh, of our Tools Day that we're holding in New York, and the aim of the Tools Day is to present um, sound professionals with the latest and greatest um, te uh, um, awareness in terms of what's available in the market, the art of the possible, really, in terms of sound technology, and just to highlight what's out there in the market. And with that in mind, I wanted to explore um, how people go about developing the business case for SAM tools. So uh, we have some software companies on the on the line that are actually selling these on a day-to-day -day basis. I just wondered if you could share your experience in terms of how people are developing their business case and any advice you would want to share in terms of perhaps there's some people listening that are thinking about investing in SAM and how what would you recommend in terms of developing the business case? So Matt, if you don't mind, if I could come to you first, any any views on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, um, as with many different uh, solution areas, the the proof is definitely in the pudding when it comes to SAM. And building a business case is far easier when you actually have some proof points to be able to to point towards. So we very much encourage people to look at going down the route of a proof of concept where they actually get to get their hands on the technology to try it out in a timely fashion. And our experience shows us that one of the best ways to conduct a proof of concept is to look at uh, what we generically call software reharvesting. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are, are familiar with that, but that's basically where you look for software that's de being deployed onto the network and is therefore consuming a license but isn't actually being used and isn't delivering any value back to the organization. By running uh, a short, let's say, 90-day project, you can get a good feel for what software out there on the network is and is not being used. And then you can actually look at the uh, software that isn't being used and together with a vendor or a service provider, calculate the cost of that, calculate not only the historic purchase costs, but the ongoing support costs, the maintenance and the provisioning costs. And then actually from that, you can build a pretty compelling business case for why you need software asset management. So it's a great way of uh, performing a self-contained project, which actually opens the door to some of the deeper benefits that you can get around software asset management. And is that is that deploying across a, a proportion of the estate and then doing a calculation based on that small proportion? Or would you recommend doing the whole thing? Or how, how do you position that? I think it depends on the size of the organization. And I think that, um, say, if you're going to run it for, for 90 days or so, you probably do want to limit the number of PCs that you're, you're going to um, cover, partly because you don't need to do the full deployment exercise if you don't have a, an inventory solution uh, deployed already, and partly just because you don't really want to go through all the number crunching on day one. So, yeah, somewhere between 500 and 2,000 PCs is probably a good benchmark to, to start from. And you can extrapolate that to the rest of the organization with a fair degree of accuracy. So, yeah, you certainly, I don't think, if you were a large enterprise, you certainly wouldn't go down the route of doing the full network um, on day one. And if I'm, if I'm new to SAM and I'm not familiar with what, what you guys do or what, what the output is, 
what sort of thing am I going to be able to take to my stakeholders or to my um, decision makers about, you know, what, what does this actually look like? I suspect like a lot of other vendors and service providers, what we would do is provide a management report at the end of the engagement that not only talks about the methodologies and technologies involved, but gives you those hard and fast figures that enable you to actually build a strong ROI case so that you can see not only the cost of the licenses that are going unused and potentially the uh, associated total cost of ownership of those licenses going forward, but also compare that against the cost of the uh, technology that you're potentially looking to acquire and then build the ROI case based on that. Cool, okay. And Wolf, if, if I could ask the same of you, um, when you're positioning your technology and you're supporting customers develop their business case, how do you, you know, what advice would you recommend in terms of this? Okay, mostly um, people um, think they, they buy a tool and uh, push a button and get some, some nice reports. And, and still, this uh, is true for not only small companies, but bigger ones, um, and most often they use the, the biggest competitor we, we all have, that's um, Microsoft Excel, and still uh, when they're in the process of, let's say, a 90-day project, they sometimes want to go back to, to their Microsoft Excel. Well, the problem is um, most of them um, think the cost is the tool and the people and not what they do every day, their processes. And this is something we, uh, we share with them, we put them, push them into uh, good shape. So the cost of the project, of the software, of the services and so on, is um, in a couple of years you will not even see them anymore. Well, that's what, what we think, and uh, if you go down into the numbers, you will see so. So you're saying that the, what your savings justify the tool investment, is that what you're saying? Yes, um, you know, you cannot do anything without processes, and, and that's what people uh, seem to forget. And okay, we come in with our tool set or others, uh, doesn't matter. Um, the problem is people still see this is a tool. We paid a lot of money for it. There's the consultant. We pay him. And yeah, they should do the job. And, and they forget they have to do a job as well. And that's something we add um, to, to, the, um, to the list and tell them Please first go down and um, um, repair your your processes and and your internal services. That's something uh, we always do because you cannot have uh, customers who are satisfied in the end if you don't tell them um, you have to do something before you press the button um, to have a report. Sure. Sure. Okay. And uh, Alex and Jason, any thoughts to add on this point? Yeah, I suppose looking at it slightly differently, um, I think one of the things we find is that some organizations, especially ones that are new to some, don't necessarily know exactly what their objectives are. So our advice is to 
really start there and be clear about exactly what you're trying to achieve, whether that's greater visibility of your estate, more control, and the usual re reduction in costs uh, and compliance risks, and just help them understand it and sort of be there with them along the way. Because from a people point of view, it can be quite a daunting um, you know, prospect. There are a lot of um, suppliers out there, as we know from this call, and I think our approach and our advice is to base your case on full understanding of exactly what you're trying to achieve. And then, of course, the key bit is what you're going to get back. And I think I agree the proof of concept is a great way of doing that and, and showing that tangible report uh, off the back of it is very sensible. And then the other thing I would sort of say is that lean on, on people, if you don't mind me saying, Martin, like the ITAM review, you know, for their experiences on developing this and, and gather um, analysis from the market of the different tools that are out there so that you make sure you get one that fits exactly what your objectives are and are like-minded thinkers as well. So I think that's sort of the main way I'd sort of look at it. And you're um, slightly different from the others yeah. on the call. Well, perhaps you're similar to SHI in that you're offering this as a service? That's it, yeah. So um, the, the principle is the same in the sense that at the end of the day, an organization needs a clear view of their software estate. They need valuable intelligence um, that they can then go and make decisions on. The reason we're different is because we believe that, you know, it's important that you have that intelligence, but should your organization be spending all of that time and resource on getting it and then never really getting to the, the thick end of SAM where you can actually save the money and add the biggest value, you know, work towards those sort of ITIL standards and things like that. So I think that's why we're different because we position it as, look, you know, let us do the hard work for you, the transactional side of things, and then you take that intelligence and go and be proactive in your business. Sure. Okay. And Eric, um, could you uh, have you got any any uh, views on this in terms of building the business case? Um, absolutely. Uh, I think, in, in, take... sorry, and just, just to interrupt, I think it'd be useful as well because I'm, I'm certainly familiar with SHI in terms of being a, a, a software provider. I think it'd be useful to know, uh, you mentioned about using tools and services about exactly what your team does within the context of that. Right. Um, yeah, my team uh, is a <coughs> semi-autonomous piece of uh, the SHI uh, company by itself. Uh, we uh, recently incorporated the intelligence solution toolset into our program and um, and are leveraging it in order to provide services to customers. So we provide both the basic tool sets um, that, that Intelligent has up to this point provided as well as the add-on services that SHI can provide. Some of those services <clears throat> fall into the very category you're talking about in terms of helping customers build business cases. Um, we suggest that customers start internally to build this case through um, workshops like value analysis workshops and or um, uh, what we would refer to as alignment workshops. And they differ somewhat in the sense of who you have, what level of participation. But really, you want to focus entirely your attention on where the real value and what products and what areas of your organization you want to, to focus on. And once you've identified the high value areas, 
then you can go after the kinds of value that uh, that others on this call have referred to with respect to harvesting uh, unused licenses, uh, optimizations, and uh, and going after um, uh, new negotiated and improved uh, relationships with your vendors. Isn't harvesting, I mean, Matt, Matt touched on this as well, but isn't harvesting a, a short-term thing? I mean, that, that's not going to last forever, is it? You're going to get you're going to get to a level of leanness pretty soon. So I can see that being the business case for the first year, perhaps, but then beyond. I mean, is that still a valid business case? Absolutely. Um, we, in fact, we have customers that are continuing to harvest year over year in rather significant numbers um, because there is significant turnover in their businesses and. Licenses go fallow and need to be recaptured and, and reused. There is, of course, um, a bump in harvesting at the beginning if if you have not been paying attention to it. But this is a true ongoing and uh, ongoing program that can, in fact, support the entire SAM initiative of and by itself in some organizations. Uh, we refer to the concept as an internal software market. Uh, where essentially consumers of, of licenses internal to the company can buy and sell them within uh, the organization itself without actually spending any additional money. Cool, okay. And um, yeah, I, I do like that model. So perhaps that would be a, a good subject for another podcast as well. I think that's a, that's a whole subject in itself, isn't it? Internal markets. Uh, it is, but it is a fundamental business case uh, for establishing a SAM program in the first place. Sure, sure. Okay. So, um, and this is a general question for anyone on the call. So, um, I'm curious as to do your prospective customers come to you having already developed the business case or you helping them develop it? Or, you know, are they... Are they talking to you because you're on a short list of tools they've already selected and they've got the business case or are you helping them start from scratch what what's the position there typically work in progress so, i would say the so licensed dashboard you know most people you know realize that they need to do something and take charge but um don't have that compelling case I think from from Snow's perspective, we we deal slightly um, further up in the market, so slightly more mature organisations who perhaps aren't on their first solution. They're now they've cut their teeth on on some form of technology, and for whatever reason, they've decided it doesn't meet their business needs. So I would say uh, a typical Snow customer does have a, a reasonably good understanding of what they're trying to achieve, but through the sales engagement process, we will typically mature that uh, business requirement further and pin down uh, specific requirements, things around Oracle management, IBM, SAP, for example, they they typically um, come in and become more defined through the engagement rather than uh, being right there from the outset. So um, I just want to explore the resources required and really about setting the right expectations when you're investing in SAM tools because um, I do stumble across the odd organization now and again that expects that SAM is like a appliance and that you plug it in like a server into a rack and uh, plug it into your network, deploy the agents and 
bang, you're done. That's Sam sorted. And I think it's good to set, especially for Sam tools that want to keep, you know, good renewal revenues and keep keep customers happy in terms of setting the right expectations and what resources are required. Um, and obviously, there's all of the people on the call here have have deliver managed services or support services in some description. So it'd be good to to understand what resources you recommend in terms of or, or you know what is realistic in terms of implementing SAM. So um, Wolf, if I could come to you first, what what's your recommendations in terms of horsepower required? You did mention earlier about um, helping us customers with processes. Yes, of course. Um... Well, it depends on the size of the customer. Our, our um, average size is uh, 1,500 desktops uh, and some hundred um, uh, servers. So um, that's the average. And with this average customer size, um, we think two, two people full-time uh, um, full are needed to make a good job. And we all know that uh, things needed in this is not uh, new. So, if how how does the SAM manager get the information? Uh, some uh, some desktops are retired. Uh, if they don't get it, they they buy new software for some something they don't need. Uh, that's something, and and you cannot uh, do it. Um, well, everything automatically because no toolset can go and open closets and then see if there's something. Everybody knows that, but some people seem to forget that's something we have to address. So um, from that, um, if you go down smaller customers, well, that's very, very hard because most people work and they have other jobs. So it's um, someone from IT or from uh, purchase or, or so, they, they do these jobs and they don't have the time. And so they need, what they need is, is a service from outside mostly. So they should know that in the first, uh, on the first meeting they should know, okay, either you have time to do it and do it right or um, don't don't so, mess so you, up with you these mentioned, things. You mentioned fifteen hundred seats. So yes, that's a, that's uh, an would, average. We, we have a, uh, some a, customers far uh, below, uh, like thirty, and some um, reasonably over a hundred thousand. So, so what yeah. what sort of resource would I? I've got fifteen hundred seats. So what resource would I really need to do Sam properly? Is that half a head? Well, Is that a full-time job? What What would you recommend? Two people, full-time. Okay. Because, well, it's it's not like that. You know, most things uh, people share. Um, if you go and and uh, buy a new computer, you need to have um, um, the information in the tool. The the. Th the box needs to be scanned uh, immediately, and, and so on. That's something uh, which is not done by the same manager, you know. But if you count every piece of information, you end up with two people. And it's not 
again, it's not two people full time, the same job sitting at, at their desk, but it's also um, the one going out to another affiliate and um, retiring desktops or replacing desktops, something like that. That's what I think. Okay. And, and, um, and Matt, if I could come to you, obviously you're, you're selling Snow software via partners and they're obviously uh, presumably offering deployment services and all sorts of other um, value-added stuff for your customers. What, what's the sort of recommendation, perhaps if you could do a similar thing, if you could recommend perhaps your your ideal customer size and then what sort of resources they might require, just speculatively? Sure. Okay. Well, I, I, again, our um, our average customer is somewhat bigger, probably more around the five to 10,000 seat uh, range. Um, and it, it's difficult because I don't want to give you how long is a piece of string as an answer, but it really does depend on the scope of the project. You know, you talked earlier about the appliance fit and forget um, approach. Well, you know, to some people that's actually sufficient, and I, I'm not championing that way as a way forward, but depending on what your expectations are, actually just having visibility of your estate for some people is enough. It's probably the basic level from which you then start moving forward. Sure. Similarly, if you then want to start bringing in SAP, IBM, Oracle, those are specialist skills which typically a generalist SAM manager will, will not have, just won't have the mental capacity to, to, to do those as well as all the other desktop and server vendors that they already have to know. So I would say that our general approach is to go down the path of least resistance. And what I mean by that is you bring together a virtual team of the people that you have across the organization that uh, can play a, an active and supportive role in the SAM program. Now that also extends to the technology itself. We all know that when it actually comes to software asset management, um, two of the greatest technological challenges are one, collecting the data from all of the, the devices, be those uh, PCs, servers, or, or up in the cloud, and the second is recording the actual license entitlements themselves. So if we go back to the, the recording of the, or sorry, the auditing of the information, one of the things that we do at Snow is integrate with as many different source systems as we can so that we don't force somebody to use a particular technology for a particular theme. We must prefer them to tell us what they have and we will try and fish around that or at least our, you know, us and our partners will. The same goes for the actual capturing of the license information. We're not going to straitjacket customers into a particular way of recording that information. We're going to try to bring that in from as many different sources as possible and again, fit around the information that's available. That dramatically reduces the actual overall um, resources that you have to allocate to a, to a project. So it's very difficult to say you need one, two, five people full time. In reality, what you probably need is chunks of about six or seven different people across the organization, probably with a single person in a project management capacity, and they may well be a full time staff resource. But typically within the, the customers that, that we deal with, there, there really is typically only one or two heads that are dedicated to SAM. The rest of the software asset management team comes from other parts of the business that have a, a stake in the, uh, the assets and the uh, expenditure being um, used wisely. Great, Agreed. thank you. 
And uh, I think further to that, guys, as well, I think that you need um, an executive sponsor, particularly you know from an, an LD viewpoint. We see that as such a major sort of like stakeholder. I know we're talking about resource, and as Matt as Matt put it, it's kind of like how long is a, is a piece of string. So there's going to be different people required from different areas of the business. However, you know um, somebody who has a, a stakeholder in this, you know, on the board level, is is absolutely key to this. As is you know a SAM manager a project manager and also somebody on the technology side as well. Yeah, as well. And I think you need a main sponsor, not just exec level, but who um, is really passionate about the project and driving it forward because there's there's all different touch points across different departments, so procurement, finance, IT and so forth. And, and it's everyone's responsibility to be part of that, but you need someone pulling those strings. And uh, Eric, any views to add at this point? I guess you're potentially looking to vie for the. You could potentially do that, do that for the customer as it take away that resource. That's what you're trying to sell. What, what how, how do you position that in terms of resources required? Um, I, I'm in agreement with almost everything that's been said. Um, we have customers ranging from hundreds of thousands of seats to, um, uh, you know, many dozens of seats. In almost every case, we're attempting to integrate their existing tool set, um, at least with respect to discovery, into the process so that they don't have to spend additional time and effort um, or resources on implementing new tools. <clears throat> of course, if they want to, um, we have tools available and they can they can incorporate them. In general, I think it is fair to say that we need bits and pieces of a variety of different roles throughout the organization. We need um, a fair amount of time on setting up uh, the discovery function so that we can identify what products uh, are in use and, and active within the organization. And it's not quite so simple as just uh, software discovery. In some cases it's user lists and, and a variety of other metrics. We need an interface into uh, procurement or contracts to be sure that we're capturing all of the possible entitlements. And um, as has been mentioned before, uh, there needs to be executive sponsorship and project management. So someone responsible for both um, evangelizing the solution within the organization as well as making sure that it's properly managed. Uh, depending on the size of the organization, those roles could, you know, grow to multiple people, or or could be accomplished by um, as little as a single person. So um, I'm just looking about thinking about um, implementation success, and and we've come up with a short list of seven uh, almost ingredients that um, we believe at the iChampion what you need in order to implement SAM properly. And I'd love your both your feedback on these seven points and also anything we might have missed or any other advice you might want to share. So I'll just go through these very quickly and I'll add them to the show notes for the podcast as well so you can you can refer to them, uh, that the, the listeners can, can, to, can refer to those. So we, these, these are seven, seven ingredients for a successful SAM, uh, SAM implementation. So number one, I think it's already been mentioned on the call, which is you need some form of authority. So... Um, whether that's a particularly aggressive SAM person that doesn't mind thumping the table or whether that's just somebody in the C-level that, that appreciates the value of SAM, you need that authority. Um, you need um, internal resource is number two. So 
even if you outsource absolutely everything um, for SAM, you'll still need a level of internal resource to manage that uh, provider. Um, you need number three is that you need good trustworthy inventory. Number four is that you need good trustworthy license records. Number five is that you'll need a reconciliation process. Um, what I mean by that is that every, especially some of the high value, high end vendors, uh, Matt's touched on a couple of those already, um, will need a, a, a unique reconciliation process. So if you've got a particularly complex data center vendor, you'll probably need a reconciliation process for each different vendor. Uh, number six is that you need licensing savvy. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I think um, if there's one or two people in the SAM team and you're managing 10, 20, 30 vendors, I don't think it's realistic for that one or two people to have licensing expertise across every single licensing group, uh, uh, you know, every single licensing program. So you need to lean on your suppliers, your partners, your tool providers to help you bridge that gap. Um, and number seven is that you need an executive group to oversee change. And what I mean by that is that as you deploy SAM, as you mature in your SAM estate, you're going to need to make changes, you're going to need to make process refinements, you're going to need to make changes to the business, and you need some form of executive group to watch that and make sure that it happens. Um, so those are, I've gone through those very quickly, but those are our seven recommendations in terms of ingredients you need for implementing SAM. Any thoughts on that? Any feedback? Any uh, any additional points that we might have missed? Yeah, like dashboard, um, I think one of the key things is to consider the bite-sized approach. So maybe sort of silo rollout, sort of either by department or by software vendor, so that you can, you know, build up the process um, steadily, see the results steadily, learn from that um, as you distribute it across organisations, especially if you're, you know, of the larger size. And then I think it's the clear, clear communication about the successes um, to all stakeholders so people can see um, the success of the SAM program. Um, and, I, and I agree with, with the seven points there. The, the expert support, I think, is particularly important because, as we know, software licensing is complex. And we've already said that perhaps expecting one or two individuals to understand every software vendor is unrealistic. And that's where we think the value is from LD's point of view and having that up-to-date knowledge across all software platforms. So I think to add the snow view is that, and forgive me if I missed it, but what I didn't hear was a defined scope for the project and a clear set of uh, achievement goals because yeah, we talked earlier in this call about getting the funding. Well, again, you don't just get the funding one time. One hopes that this is an ongoing process and there'll be a yearly plan or, you know, an ongoing plan that will require future funding um, as you move forward. The only way that you're going to continue building that business case and securing that future funding is if you can prove that you're meeting the objectives of the SAM program. So we would definitely recommend that you have to have clear objectives. I think Alex makes a good point, which is that those objectives will change over time as you learn lessons along the way. Sure. But you certainly need something in there from day one. Uh, Wolf, any points to add there? Yes, um, it's Wolf, software management. Um, I think maybe it's in one of those points, but uh, 
I, I think if uh, it's it's very important to maintain the system itself, the SAMS system. So we, for instance, provide a software catalog, and uh, we need more. We need input imp input from from our customers. So if you don't give input, we don't have a software catalog for for them. So. Um, after two or three years, the customer thinks, okay, I, I spent a lot of money for that, and I press the button, and what's this report? I don't know. So new versions missing and so on. And they think they're good, but they don't know. So it's worse than before when they, when they know they don't know. So I, I have to say I take a slightly different view on that one. Um, we see that as definitely the vendors responsibility, not the customer's responsibility. You know, we, we invest heavily in the software recognition service so that our customers don't have to worry about that stuff. I do think it's an important element of choosing a SAM solution, but I, I don't see it as an important part of the actual SAM process from the customer's point of view. Well, if they, if they provide um, uh, access, fine. If they don't give you anything, you have no chance. Okay, I, I would argue that's a technology decision on the vendor's part. Yeah, we, we get that access both from our partners and our customers, and that's how we build the, uh, the, the vastness of, uh, of software recognition that we have. As you say, we wouldn't be able to do it without, so for us it's a given. Yeah, same here. Eric, any uh, points to add there in terms of uh, you know, uh, implementation success for Sam? Um, yeah, I think your your points are all um, uh, very well on point. Sponsorships critical. Internal resources are critical. Uh, we had that conversation just a while ago. Um, I think that trustworthy inventory and trustworthy license uh, information are very broad topics. Um, it is a big challenge to get that right uh, if you attempt to do it just one time. It really needs to be an ongoing process, a continually improving process in order for it to be effective. Uh, normalization is a critical aspect of that, and that is a, an ongoing service that, that uh, we consider to be critical to success because if you don't normalize licensing and you don't normalize inventory, you have no way to do the comparative reconciliations that are required. I come down to um, license savvy here is sort of the linchpin of some of the topics that you've identified that in the end this is all license driven without the appropriate level of license expertise in the process uh, I think, think you can be uh, successful and if you are depending upon you know that one license expert in the organization or uh, or even just a few of them think that as things get more complex and the portfolio of products expands, uh, the SAM program begins to collapse because you don't have sufficient access to license information. That's why we depend heavily on um, the license expertise from the rest of the SHI organization, access to the manufacturers and publishers, and uh, to a very high degree at this point, um, tight um, integration with an automated license reconciliation process so that all of the expertise is embedded in our tools 
and is not dependent upon individual analysts. Lastly, I think you make exactly the right point. Executive change, executive organizational change, uh, you not only need sponsorship, you need people in the client's organization to sponsor in and pursue changes that will support an ongoing asset management program. Great, thank you. So just as a final question uh, for you all, um, I'm just thinking about what the future holds in terms of SAM tools. So I've um, been in this industry uh, quite a while, longer than I care to admit, and seen a number of different changes, so uh, different maturity waves. So you've, you've had um, inventory and software usage and then SKU catalogs, and then um, we've seen um, more diversification in terms of specific vendors, like specific vendor bolt-ons, like, for example, managing Microsoft, Oracle, SAP. And then you've got service integration seems to be a quite a hot topic at the moment. And obviously, we've got the upcoming issues with cloud and virtualization. Just thinking about in terms of the next three to five years, what's going to be on our plate in terms of sound tools and where, where do you see the market going? Um, any Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess I'll jump in from, from Snow's point of view in that at the end of the day, it's all about consumption. It's all about the consumption of IT assets in all their various shapes and forms. And we know that those shapes and forms are uh, growing exponentially year on year. Um, you, know, you and I have been in this uh, industry far too long, and we both remember a time when inventory was SAM. And, and we're no longer there, that's for sure. And similarly, where we are today will no longer be relevant in five years' time because the, the nature of the consumption of IT assets, software, licenses, and let's not forget the devices themselves, is, is changing. It's changing around us right now, so God knows what it's going to look like in five years' time. So for us, I think if you were asking me to, to put Snow's philosophy and strategy into uh, a very short phrase. It is. It is all about managing consumption. I think. Um, I think it's fair to say that. And I think, from our point of view, we think the key is going to be that that critical blend of, of technology and people to manage it. Because we all agree it's complex. It's a uh, changing landscape, and we all agree that we probably can't quite identify exactly what it's going to look like with the Internet of Things and so forth. So it is that blend of people who are always on top of it. Um, and that technology that makes things easier and, and quicker. If you look at your consumption... I'm an SHI. Sorry, sorry uh, Eric, if we could come to you in a second. Um, yep. Matt, if, if we could just look at your consumption point, though, in that there's two things. One is um, everything's going mobile. Mo mobile's eating the world. And mm -hmm. secondly, you've got people bypassing the IT department and just buying IT solutions off the shelf in the cloud. Which has got yep. the same software risks and same governance issues that any other software has. It's just that somebody's bought it with their credit card. How do you how do you do software management when you don't even know what you're managing? Uh, well, the key is you do know what you're managing, and I think that uh, I have to be very careful what I'm saying because there are some exciting things that you will hear from us next year. Um, so I'm trying to not give the game away entirely. But oh, oh go on. The, the, <laughs> The problem that you've just described is exactly the problem as we see it. And the challenge is, as you say, you can't do software asset management and you can't manage consumption if you can't uh, at least track that consumption. 
we all agree that the IT budget is running out of the IT manager's control. And we've seen all the stats from the, the analyst firm saying that there's now more money spent on IT outside of the IT department than within. That's irreversible. We're not going to see that change as much as we might like to. So what we as a SAM vendor have to do is we have to cope with that change and we have to preempt that change. So that's really where we're going to. It is all about mobile and it is all about diversified spending and control and how do we as a technology cope with that. And that's probably about as much as I can say for the moment. Eric, I cut you short for a second there. Do you want to get, come back to your point? Um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I think that this really comes down to envisioning it not only as a consumption issue, but as a full life cycle issue. That, that SAM as a process needs to be completely embedded in the organization in other ways um, to manage assets, whether they are cloud subscriptions or physical servers in a data center. They need to be managed completely from um, uh, from their birth to, if you will, their, their death. Um, there is legislation or, or supportive legislation in the U.S. that will increase the requirement on uh, the financial aspects of the organization to audit against um, IT assets. So it's all the more important for uh, our customers to be aware of where their assets are and uh, subscriptions, cloud subscriptions and, and others are going to be uh, critical pieces of pulling that whole asset management program together. Perfect, thank you. So just to finish off, um, I wanted to let you know of a new project um, that we're, we're working on at the ITAM review. Um, so we review a lot of tools uh, based on opinion and we're introducing a couple of new projects for the ITAM review for ITAM review readers next year in 2015. Um, one of which is um, ITAM Review Labs, so we're actually um, benchmarking and um, testing tools in a lab environment using real customer data. Um, so you'll be able to see some black and white performance figures as well as the ITAM Review opinion. And the second thing, which is what I wanted to mention on the call, was about customer satisfaction. So I'd encourage anyone that's using a sound tool at the moment listening to this podcast to please look at the show notes for this podcast. There'll be a link to a customer satisfaction survey. And it's a great opportunity for you to share your opinion of your current SAM tool. So we started uh, last week. We have uh, over 100 responses already. And we're collecting uh, customer service scores, value for money, uh, customer support, technical support for the tool, ease of use, customer satisfaction, and overall happiness with the SAM tools. And we've got some fascinating results um, we've got scores for Flexera, for HP, for ServiceNow, for Snow, for SoftwareManagement.org um, and a few others and it would be great to get a lot more in there. So when you're making decisions about SAM tools, you could not only see analyst opinion, uh, lab tests, but you can also see what do the customers think, what's the actual customer satisfaction scores. So please help us with that. All of it will be published free on the ITAM review and hopefully it will be a really useful resource for people selecting tools. So with that, it just remains for me to remind you of our Tools Day uh, to be held in New York on the 28th of January. Our Tools Day is a great opportunity to come along and see the latest and greatest in SAM technology. 
Uh, you can see the art of the possible. You can see what's out there at the moment, what's possible in terms of sound technology, and get yourself up to speed with all the latest and greatest in this space. Uh, it's also a great opportunity to network with your other peers in the SAM space uh, in the, if, you, if you're based out in the US. And it's an entirely free event, so please take advantage of it. Uh, visit the ITAM review at itassetmanagement.net and you can learn how to register for that. Uh, it's being held at the Baruch College, which is in um, uh, central New York, uh, quite close to Times Square. So I look forward to meeting you there. I'm Martin Thompson. This has been the ITAM Review Podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.